0: What do goblins drink when they're hot and thirsty? (laughs) Goulade. What do you call an architectural plan of a haunted house? A boo print. (laughs) Dare I do one more of these? I don't know, all right, all right. What did the ghost teacher say to her class? Watch the board and I'll go through it again. (laughs) I'll stop while I'm ahead, thank you. Welcome to Mystical Musings, <laughs> October the 21st, 2012. Please silence your cell phones or anything that goes beep or buzz. Exactly, especially, but if it happens to think during the day. Welcome to Mystical Musings in the library of Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan, and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred in America today. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics. People who seek to obtain unity with the deity, the great spirit, the Tao, and who believe and know the spiritual apprehension of truths that are beyond the intellect. I am because we are, and I am one. I am because we are one celebrating body and spirit. The Halloween time of the year has for many centuries been considered a time when the veil between heaven and earth is very thin indeed. We can, it is said most easily at this time, access other dimensions of consciousness. This is an exciting time for mystics all over the world because we know that spiritual growth often involves moving into exalted states of awareness, other dimensions, of consciousness for transformational information and for bringing it back to be used in everyday life in 2012 we focused particularly on the mystical dimension of positive expectancy especially for the collective birthing for the, of the winter solstice but also for our personal healing learning and transformation amid the turbulence and passionate peace of this profoundly changing time. Happy Halloween. Let us look beyond the veil of our chronically thinking mind and our mask embodied in unconscious muscular tensions in our faces. So just sensing right now, and when we shift to other senses than visual, it's helpful if you close your eyes or let them be half-masked, so that you're looking through eyes that simulate a veil, that they're very soft eyes or closed eyes, perhaps even alternating between soft eyes and closed eyes, so that you can have a shift being engendered in how we use our dominant sense of vision. So as you sense inwardly right now, What mask are you wearing? What kind of emotion do you bring in today? Maybe that helps to inform the sense of the mask. Can you feel your jaw? Is there a little extra tension there that can be released? and softened, sensing your eyes. What attitude do you bring in today? Sensing for the mask that seems at times all too familiar. And as you sense in areas of tension, letting go. Releasing the jaw, softening the eyes, let go of the tongue, just soften. Maybe even let the lips part, despite your mother's commentary about not catching flies. There are not too many flies in the room at the moment. And so just sense face mask differently. Noticing what emotion you put out to the world today. For a lot of us in coming in, it's a wonderful sense of friendliness, loving kindness. Sometimes even that can get to be a mask, just noticing as you let go what the emotion is that you're inwardly feeling, perhaps not expressing today. Sensing our faces, that which carries our mask. Sensing the face, how we face reality. Sensing in the mouth, jaw. Can you relax it even more without perhaps, without perhaps drooling, but just enough that you just soften? Sensing your eyes, even with the lids closed or at half-mast, are they hard or soft? Are they squinting? Are you even inwardly wide-eyed? Are the eyes moving fluidly or fixed or jumping around? As you notice any places of extra tension that seem superfluous, let it go. Keep exhaling into the release of letting go of any points of tension. And directing your attention to your cheeks and just feeling the cheeks at the moment. And if you can't feel these areas, one way to do so is just to tense them slightly and then let them go so that you can feel what it feels like to direct your attention with a little more specificity on a sense level than we usually do. So once again, we notice how we are being, who we are being in these facial patterns. And hence we make it easier to drop the mask and enter the temple. The body is the temple of the soul. And so we enter the temple, dropping the mask, letting our breaths be just a little more full than they would normally be. Not necessarily a full breath, but a fuller breath. And so rather than thinking, we focus more on the quality of our moving as a way to grow and develop and even transform. So let the right corner of the mouth pull all the way over to the right ear. And then let yourself go all the way over to the other side. And you're just going to let yourself, all you have to do is just do this. I have to do it and talk. All you're doing now is just going from one side, all the way over to the other side. And you're just stretching. And you do not have to inhibit the impulse to laugh. You can feel free. And so just from one side to the other side. Ah, good. And let the mouth go. And then do some circles with your eyes if you're comfortable. If you're not comfortable doing circles, and some of you won't be, and that's fine, just let your eyes look from left to right. But those of you who might like to look around in a circular pattern, feel free to just let the eyes Go through a range of action that is quite non-habitual for our daily life. And if it's good action, let it go in the opposite direction. If you begin to have any adverse effects and you're feeling slightly queasy, then just stop it. Good. Now let that go. And just sense for a moment. Just sense how your face feels. How it senses to you right now. Is it a little easier, perhaps a a little more alive, tingling even for some of you, more aliveness and sense being felt in the face in ways that we don't usually feel. So the veil is thin now. So let your eyes close, if you would, or be half masked. The veil is very thin. So I'm just gonna simulate a little billowing, light silk veil with this fan. And just to feel for a moment, the veil being very, very thin at this time. Just a sense directing Directing your attention to your sensing rather than your thinking. And just feeling the veil billowing lightly, easily. The veil is thinnest at this time of the year. Sensing the veil as if it were a fine silk scarf, gently billowing right in front of you. Right in front of the face that having entered the temple is just a little softer. A little more open a little more receptive. The veil between the living and the dead, between embodiment and spirits, angels, energies, between this world and possible futures. Celtic Soen, this time of year, is known by most folks as Halloween. But for Wiccans and Pagans, it's considered a Sabbath to honor the ancestors who have come before us a good time to contact the spirit world with seance or contemplation. The veil is at its thinnest. Around the eighth century or so, the Catholic Church decided to use the so in time, November 1st, as All Saints Day, a very smart move on their part as the local pagans were already celebrating the day. So it made sense to use it as a church holiday. All Saints became the festival to honor any saint who didn't already have a day of his own or her own. The mass of which is called All All Hollow Mass. The mass of those who are hallowed, blessed, revered, honored. The old year is passing. The harvest has been gathered. Cattle and sheep have been brought in from the fields and leaves falling from the trees. The earth slowly fallows. A good time for wrapping up the old and preparing for the new in our lives. contemplating the last 12 months. Anything unresolved? Beginning to look at the coming year, honoring those who have gone before. Those of us who have had loved ones die this year, we celebrate their memory. Good fortune is bestowed when the spirits return from beyond the veil offering advice, protection, and guidance. What a delight to be together today. Thank you so much for allowing us to share with you on this magnificently beautiful autumn day. Namaste.
1: Really, it is a treat to have you here on this beautiful autumn day. But I got a trick last night in my dreams because we had forgotten the piano and everyone stormed out, led by our most faithful people. (laughs) So I did a double check after Lawrence had packed the car um, to make sure the piano is here. So we are going to talk today about altered states of awareness. We're gonna talk about Going through the veil. We're going to do some exercises that I think you will enjoy. uh, And be playful because Halloween also brings out the child in us. So wonderful to have you here. This silence that we move into through the sacred music is an altered state of consciousness. It's different from our ordinary consciousness in that it's really not about thought. It's not about feeling. It's not about a physical state of sensation. It's a spiritual realm that we enter. It touches on the mental, because there's a certain kind of knowing that comes in silence. It touches on the emotional, because there's a certain kind of peace that comes to us. And it touches on the physical, because the music grounds us into our bodies. So in this time of preparation for what we hope will be a great awakening, a great wave of consciousness coming in December, we find that we have different ways of meditating, different ways of doing our spiritual practices to open us to that time. As you know, we want to move into that time with our arms open to receive whatever grace may be given us at that time. And as we've said again before, in order to receive that grace, we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. If we're full of ourselves, our ideas, our feelings, our notions, then we're not really in that great state of openness. Or receiving and so one of the great practices we can use during this period of time meditational practices is by accessing intentional states of awareness other than our ordinary one in which the mind the thinking mind dominates so how do we move out of the thinking mind we, we meditate, right? That's our most common way of moving into an expanded state of awareness because when we're really meditating, we are in an altered state. We're in another realm of being. And as Lawrence was saying, this time of year with the, the veils between all the dimensions being thinnest, it's a very excellent way of moving out of the monkey mind of moving out of the thinking mind that really uh, that really uh, obsesses and goes back and forth between past and future and rarely lights in the moment. So, I would just like to do a few little fun exercises, if you want to, uh, to take us into intentional intentional altered states now before i do that i want to say that the ultimate altered state is what we call satori samadhi or enlightenment or mystical experience when we are completely altered all of our bodies are altered and we're in a state of complete oneness with all that is those states we pray for and await but they are given to us by grace and when we move into those states when we come back as we must because we can't live on this planet at this time in those exalted states of awareness but when we come back we never come all the way back we bring with us that sense of oneness and that knowing of the ultimate reality as the reality of love We know that from mystical experience, that everything is love. I remember the first time just being amazed and remembering it was always said, God is love. But I was afraid of the God I was taught because he seemed so much like a God of judgment. So it alters us entirely when we know that God is love. It alters us entirely when we know we are one with everything, that we are within the oneness, it alters everything. So we never go back to an ordinary state of awareness because we are now on a conscious spiritual path. So those are the exalted ones and we pray for those. We pray for them individually. We pray for them collectively. May all beings awake. May all beings be free. May love reign. May we all live in harmony. May we love our mother, the earth. May we know our oneness with her. We come back to those prayers. And in my next talk, I'm going to talk about praying from a particular altered state. But now, having said those things, I would like each of us, as you want to, to sit now, with closed eyes and head up. Don't put your head down. If you, push, if you go like this, you're looking down into feelings. Don't want to, and, and it will depress you after a while. So, keep your head up, all right? And relax, shoulders down, jaw down, okay? Eyes closed, breathing easily. And now, may we sit in our own radiance. Sitting in our own radiance. Sitting in our own splendor. sitting in our own radiance. Sitting now in our own joy, in the radiance of our own joy. sitting now in the radiance of our true humility, sitting now in the radiance of our oneness with all that is, sitting in the radiance of oneness. And now, sitting in the radiance of positive expectancy. Sitting now in positive expectancy. And when you think of it during our time together today, sit in your own radiance. Sit in your own positive expectancy. doing these practices at home, moving into these altered states and these other dimensions of perception. Prepare us joyfully for what we pray is coming in December. Namaste.
0: There are 60 60 days remaining until the winter solstice of 2012, at which point humanity, according to the Mayan calendar, will experience the end of time as we know it and the beginning of a new 5,125 year cycle, a birthing of a new global culture going beyond time. Many of the indigenous cultures of the world share a 2,000-year-old prophecy about the eagle and the condor. The indigenous peoples of the Andes prophesy that the coming of the new Pachacuti, an interval of roughly 500 years. The prophecy foretells imbalance and tremendous conflict throughout the Americans from around 1500 to around 2000. During this time, the eagle, representing the mental and the materialistic, has driven the condor representing the spiritual and the heart centered almost into extension. The eagle represents the modern technological world. Those who have developed the intellect at the expense of the heart, developing technology to an extraordinary level, bringing them us extraordinary material wealth. But many of us finding ourselves spiritually impoverished the people of the condor represent the indigenous people of the world living close to the land with the heart and wisdom that come from being attuned to the natural world they live from the heart and through the senses and have an unparalleled depth of spirituality and wisdom that is an expression of their profound connection to nature these people are spiritually rich but materially impoverished the forces of the developed world now threaten their environment and they depend, that they depend on for their material and spiritual sustenance. The indigenous must understand and develop some of the intellectual skills of the eagle. According to the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, we are at the beginning of time when the condor will rise again and will once again fly together wing to wing in the same sky as the eagle and the world will come into balance. It is a time of partnership, love and healing, and a transition out of an era of conflict and turmoil into more sustainable and earth honoring ways. It will be a time of great transition, but also with some dangers. The condor will not soon forget the domination of the eagle And the eagle must also change to help restore the balance. Our task now is to begin to return to the heart wisdom ways of the condor, to individually begin to fill the prophecy. We need to come to our senses and listen and listen with our hearts to what the earth is trying to tell us. We need to begin to look at and understand how the individual choices we make every day not only perpetuate the difficulties on the earth, but also contribute to our own sense of unhappiness and stress and isolation. We must begin now to help the condor soar in our humble, way one of the ways aside from doing the musing and listening to myron's extraordinary music that is created with all of your help in the moment that he's creating it i think of it as channeling from beyond the veil magnificent sounds that i keep hearing over all these years one simple way that you yourselves have encouraged me to look at because i tend towards seeing shadow more than light in these crazy times is what I call incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. And I look around each month and I try to find it. I look at it in magazines, newspapers, in periodicals, journals, online. And it's um, more there than we think, but it's not enough yet there as it should be. But some interesting ones for this month's candidate. In the midst of the mudslinging of the election campaign, in the midst of the hottest September on record worldwide, in the midst of a constantly accelerating sense of time and change, it sure is good to know that there are some positive indicators for transformation that help to generate what Myron was speaking of as positive expectancy. If we know that the positive is out there and can feel it and sense it and know it, it helps us in our own sense of expectancy in creating what we need to create in our own lives. Bill Clinton was recently on the cover of Time magazine touting five ideas that are changing the world for the better, with idea number one being this month's candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. And that is, phones mean freedom. Mr. Clinton cites a 2010 UN study that finds that cell phones are one of the most effective advancements in history to lift people out of poverty. The examples are very telling. And these are just a tiny few of what are available to be known about this extraordinary transformation happening all over the world. It is now estimated that there are more telephones in India than toilets. (laughs) The examples are telling. The cell phones have revolutionized the average person's access to financial opportunity. Only 10% of Haitians have a bank account. But 80% of them have a cell phone or access to one. With compassionate ingenuity, an Irish businessman joined with a Canadian bank to provide a service that lets Haitians withdraw cash and make deposits and person-to-person transfers using mobile phones without a bank account. Within a bit more than a year, this service has processed over in Haiti, six million transactions. Similar stories are unfolding in Africa, but with an additional twist because of counterfeit medications, because they're a huge problem in in Africa, Sub-Sahara in particular, cell users can now text a code of any medicine and find whether it is in fact legitimate. Cell phones have also been utilized to help families reunite that have become separated through war. And lastly, cell phones have made a significant difference with charitable giving, enabling huge numbers of people of modest means to give a little very easily simply by texting our favored charities. Truly cell phones are making a tremendous difference throughout the world and hence the designation of their ubiquity and imaginative new uses of the cell phone as incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. Namaste.
1: Rich Rediger suggested that I bring up the topic of ascension because that word is used so often about what is coming for us in December. So I parked myself in front of a huge row of books on ascension and then a huge row of books on 2012 at the local New Age bookstore and (laughs) It's so funny. I mean, these guys dare to dream big, you know? You talk about what's going to happen and, you know, you'll be teleporting all over the place. It's like we're all going to become a bunch of superheroes. (laughs) However, the thing that really struck me was a lot of the talk was about going into the light body. Well, the light body is here. You know, everyone has a light body. We use it all the time. In our light bodies, we can travel to Barcelona for lunch if we want to. We can do anything, but what about the physical body? So I started saying to myself, descension instead of ascension. (laughs) Rich, because I kept thinking about what I want to bring down into my body because I love this body, I love the earth, I love sensation, I love to eat, I love all of the wonderful delights Of living here on this planet however I do want to call down transformation on all parts of this we've talked about how we want to move in to December with all that we are we want to move in with our ego we want to move in with our mind with our emotional body We want to move in with our shadow. We want to take it all and present it, put it on the altar and say, come down and bless me. So I was thinking, what is the redeemed ego? The redeemed ego is the part of us that knows that though we are one with everyone and everything, we are a unique one. And that's the celebration of the ego. And so I can celebrate that my job here is being a musician and theologian. And sometimes mountain climber. Wine taster. I can celebrate that and then I can celebrate that Peg does a lot of mothering and she does a lot of writing. So I'm glad she does that for me. Just as I'm glad that everyone who does what they do, do it for me. So I don't have to do it, right? And whatever I'm doing is not more valuable than what anyone else is doing. So I might have a life as a surgeon and a mother and a wife and a flute player and say, I love this life, but the orderly Bringing in the patient to the OR has a life just as important and unique as mine. And I couldn't do mine if it weren't for the orderly. And the homeless man on the gurney serves a purpose too. And it's just as valuable in the sight of God, we are all equally valuable. And so the redeemed ego knows that so i want to call down from all these dimensions of awareness redemption for my ego and then for my feelings for my feeling body i want to be able to have my anger and i want it to be then called i want to call grace down on that anger because then it will change as i feel it into passion and strength if i have my sadness and feel that through then that will be redeemed in compassion moves into compassion if i have fear as i feel it through and call grace down on the fear it becomes excitement and aliveness i want to keep the energies of that of my emotional body, but I want them to be able to be redeemed in those ways. If there is grief, then I want it to be redeemed. If I have lost someone whom I dearly love and I grieve it and I fully go into it, it becomes redeemed when I'm reminded of how grateful I am to have had that wonderful person or pet in my life. So, the emotional body I want to take for redemption. And what about all the shadow stuff? And by shadow, I just mean our faults, our weaknesses, our imperfections, our flaws. The things that are not desirable to us. And we all have that. We all have that. Our imperfections, our flaws. And I find as I bring up the energy of that in my body, it gives me a lot of strength. If I can say I can face my fears and I can face my imperfections, I don't have to be perfect I'm just good enough don't have to be perfect we waste an awfully lot of mental time trying to be perfect perfect I mean perfectionism is a big distraction on the spiritual path so it helps us not have that distraction of perfection and it gives us strength and it also when it is redeemed gives us (laughs) profound humility and that profound humility is also an altered state a beautiful altered state out of which grows love, compassion, joy, cooperation. Out of that comes a sense of the suffering of the world. And out of that, we send our prayers to those who are suffering. And so that way, all our imperfections also get blessed and transformed. And certainly we are looking for transformation in the time that's coming and in our present moment. And I love these people who write these books who just really do not believe in limiting themselves and asking for anything. And that's what I think we should do. Just ask for anything we want, but those things particularly I know that I want. And then I think about what do I want to call down globally? What do I want to call down for humanity? Certainly, you know, in my extravagance, I really want everybody to wake up, right? Wake up and remember who you are. Wake up and know you count, you matter. You know, you're an important part of the universe. You're just not the center of it. (laughs) That's a, a, a huge shift when you realize that, right? That would just be great if we woke up and thought that. There would be tremendous redemption in the world. And surely we know a lot of things that we want for the world, right? We want profound healing. We want cooperation and harmony. We want peace. We want full bellies and full hearts. We want peace and prosperity for everyone and we want to call that down into the bodies minds and souls of every living being on the planet including living plants living animals and insects living minerals and the living earth herself now The question becomes, how do we call this down? So we return to an altered state that we know very well. Most of us who have been here know because we've been hammering it into ourselves and therefore into you for many moons. We move into the quantum realm, okay? where we can bring the future into the present and we energize our prayers by going to the quantum realm so that we go to our hearts, give give ourselves a sense of peace, a sense of joy, a sense of strength, a sense of exuberance. And there in that altered state of exuberance, we quantum bring, we quantum think, we quantum call, we quantum feel what we want for ourselves and what we want for our world. So, going into the quantum realm, which will give us great strength, and saying, It is my prayer, it is my intention that I'm sending out from my heart that all people. On the planet live in peace and prosperity and joy that everyone awaken to their oneness with all that is that everyone know true joy we can do that and it seems to me that that's one of the things that we can be doing now we have said before that we don't want to have expectations as such because we want that that's the altered state of positive expectancy. But in that state of positive expectancy, we can also pray and pray powerfully from the, from the quantum realm for what we want. Now we don't know, we can't know. We're not made to know what comes in the future. So we don't know exactly what December 21st is going to look like, if anything. But we do know what our preferences are for the world. And we do know that we live in a collective, that we live in oneness, and in that knowledge, bringing that to us in the quantum realm and establishing it there and going to our sense of power that helps to bring about what we are dreaming of. This gives us a sense of purpose as we move towards 2012. It's our job because we know there's a collective. Other people don't know that, but we know it. So it's our job to call that forth, to go to the quantum realm and call it down, call it forth. And then whatever you want for yourself, however extravagant it is, Call for it. And know that there is power in the quantum realm and know that there is power in praying from a heart full of peace, animated by joy and the knowledge of its oneness with the heart of God and with the heart of all sentient beings on the planet. So let's do it. <laughs> Nowadays
0: Halloween is a time of mask wearing, of communing with and embodying spirits from beyond the veil. It is a time of year when the veil is the thinnest. Once again, sensing that billowing scarf. Even if the eyes are open, just imagine the veil at your face. The veil between the living and the dead, the embodiment of spirits, angels, energies, between this world and our possible futures. The shiftnetwork.com empowers a global movement of people who are intentionally co-creating an evolutionary shift of consciousness, leading to a more enlightened society, one built on principles of peace, sustainability, health, and prosperity. The possible future embodied in the shift approaching humanity with the winter solstice of 2012 includes deepening harmony between modern and indigenous humanity, more dynamic masculine and feminine balancing, toward a deeper collective tolerance of all approaches to spirit, more of a global consciousness, toward enlightened entrepreneurship SHIFT 2012 is a possible future that has our human family living in a sacred, dynamically alive, conscious universe. From one of the leaders of the SHIFT 2012 and birth 2012, Barbara Marks Hubbard, remarkable visionary, now in her 80s, small positive fluctuations in the sea of social chaos jumps the system, any system but in this case, our human civilization system, to a higher order. Small positive fluctuations jump the system to a higher order, whether the system is the collective humanity or our individual lives. So I like to think of us, each of us, as small positive fluctuations. Mrs. Hubbard and the creative mystics everywhere are dedicated to the fact that we can each be these small positive fluctuations. I'll bet till today you hadn't thought of yourself as such. (laughs) I see a bumper sticker somewhere in there. The opportunity now being offered to us from the sacred process of evolution is to participate in creating many positive fluctuations as pioneering souls. We are shifting from egocentrism to living from our essential selves, discovering our vocations of destiny giving our unique gift to the shift, working toward maximizing global coherence, evolving our communities, our worlds, and ourselves. So the gesture in in embodying prayer today that I would like to offer to you as Myron plays, if you would bring your hand to your face and just begin to let the fingers ever so slightly undulate, and you're gonna to have to move it in and out as you wish, but at some point you're gonna feel the energies around your body. We all have them, they're all there all the time. They're called aura, they're seen in Kirlian photography, and so you just undulate and just notice as the hands are very sunset, sensate, you can, and you can do this in your mind too, you don't have to bring your hands up as you wish, But you're just letting yourself make contact with this energy that's surrounding you and coming from you into your hands. And then if you just let these hands move up a little bit, so they form even a little bit of a chalice, just a tiny bit, and then come back to that place in the face, and then very gently just point the hands down. So you're giving the energy back down to the earth. And so you're just allowing a gentle oscillation When you go up, if you wanna arch your back just a little tiny bit, that would be helpful as long as it doesn't hurt. And when you go down, if you just round your back just a tiny little bit. And some of you will notice that your hands will tingle. You might feel the energy coming from your face or feel that coming from your hands. And lastly, if you just want to bring your breath in and accentuate the exhale,
1: We would like to thank Nathani, our <laughs> So now, as we stand, each of us, in his or her personal radiance, and as we stand in the radiance of our community, We send blessings, joy, healing, redemption to all the kingdoms of the planet to the human kingdom, the David kingdom, the angelic kingdom, the animal, plant, and mineral kingdoms. blessing and from the radiance of our groove, we send our positive expectancy for transformation on December 21st 2012 now letting go of our hands holding hands with others and bringing all the radiance of the group into our own bodies We go out with joy and are led forth in peace. Namaste.